Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for you seated, slap somebody high five and say, let the light shine in your life today. You can be seated. <laughs> yo, 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 what's up? Y'all are a friendly bunch this morning. I hear you talking out there. I like it, I like it. So, hey, welcome to Bethel, man. We're excited. We are glad that you're here. Sunday is our favorite day of the week. Can I hear a good amen? Yeah, because we get to come together and hang out and worship God and just visit people of like faith. And it's just it's good to come to church. It's good to worship God. And so, we just want to welcome you today and... um kind of a happy Labor Day. This is the last um, Sunday. Next week, we're going to start a new series, and we're so stoked about our new series. Um, but before we get there next week, today, um, I want to share with you a little bit. I was trying to do some research, and I was trying to do some study last week, and so I was reading this article, and I came across some very interesting information. Um, a University of College London study that I read um, it was published recently. They discovered something in this study that we all know about ourselves, but I bet you we all would deny it. And the thing that this study that helped people discover is this, we're all just a little bit lazy. Come on, somebody. We're all just a little bit lazy. And so can I tell you, after pastoring for 21 years, we may not always be lazy when it comes to chasing the dollar. And we may not always be lazy when it comes to building our reputation. We may not be easy. We may not be lazy when it comes to fixing up our place so that we can invite people over. But most of the time, we're especially a little lazy when it comes to our spiritual journeys. Oh, y'all don't get too quiet on me this early in the game because we want to come to church and we want to be spoon-fed and we want the worship to be just right and we want him to preach a message to us that speaks to us right where we're at. But yet throughout the most of the week, we don't dig into the word of God. We're too busy doing other things and we're a little bit lazy when it comes time to pray and we're a little bit lazy when it comes time to God ask us to fast. Sometimes... We're a little bit lazy, especially in our spiritual journey. Now, some of you, that may seem already harsh, and you may have already tuned me out, and you say, Cody, I may be a lot of things, but by God, don't you call me lazy. Just saying. Let me give you, so if that offended you, if me calling you lazy offended you, um, sorry, snowflake, let me give it to you in a little bit softer way. Can I do that? A softer way to say is this, that we always are looking for the easiest path. Maybe not the best path, but we're always looking for the path of least resistance. Of course, this is not unique to humans. Uh, um, you look at water. If you run water, if you have a garden and you have a row that goes down beside your squash and you want to water it, water will always take the path of least resistance. Resistance, it's the way it is. Google Maps or, or Siri, she'll always send you down the trail that's the path of least resistance. Did you know that wolves evolved into domestic dogs? Because they, it's easier to scavenge on human people's food than it is to track down and kill your own prey. The, the path of least resistance. And so some people in here today, I'm ready for you today. I am so ready for you today. 
Some of us would already, we'd be arguing, we would say, you know what? Taking the path of least resistance, that's really just wisdom, Cody. That's smarter to figure it out. And so, you know what? I wouldn't disagree with you on that. It is smarter and it is wiser, for, but here's the problem. And here's when it gets, it gets becomes a problem in our life is when we make taking the path of least resistance our main goal in life. When everything we do, we're always looking for an easy way out. When we make that the main goal of our life, that is when we become lazy and we miss out on the journey of living a life of faith. I'm afraid it seems the last couple of generations, can we be real? We spend the biggest majority of our time and our energy and our effort seeking the easiest route in life. I just want to have an easy life. I just want to make it easy. And in doing that, we miss out on the ripest fruit and we miss out on the joy of the journey and the joy of the struggle. Yes, I said joy of the journey. And yes, I said joy of the struggle. Sometimes the, our mind will trick us to think the, the ripest fruit is right down here on the bottom and it's easy. You know, if you know me, we have some pear trees down by our house and we love pears and we love to make pear preserves. And I just think about going down there and picking pear back when it used to rain and we had fruit in this part of the world. Me and Jennifer and the kids would go down and the friends, the kids' friends would come over to these pear trees and these pear trees are as tall as those speakers. And boy, you could just get all that. But the more you got to looking at the top and the more you looked beyond what was easy, you know, we'd pick all the easy stuff first. And then when you want some pears, then you got to go inside and you got to start crawling up in the trees. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know why. I guess it's the sweet and the nectar, but pear trees are full of yellow jackets. Come on, somebody. We got stung a many a time. And so what I just remember of us going and picking pears was crawling up in the trees and getting scratched and fighting off yellow jackets and doing what we do, but getting to the top and you get up there and you find that the better fruit and the greatest fruit is not always at the bottom. It's not always easiest to access, but I look back and I go, there was some joy in climbing those trees and having fun to get the good fruit at the top. I just think there's some good fruit out there for you and I. I think there's some great fruit out there for you and I. I think there's some fruit that you and I have not tapped into, into our marriages and into our kids and into this church, but we're gonna have to quit trying to get it the easiest way and take the path of least resistance. I would challenge you to think this way today. Taking the path of least resistance will only get us status quo. Taking the path of least resistance will only get us what everybody else is getting. Taking the path of least resistance, we will just be following someone else's path. Let me submit something to you today. I don't know about you, but this stuff gets my blood boiling and it gets me fired up. I want to submit to you today. Let's go where no one else has gone before. Let's quit doing what everyone else is doing. Let's quit trying to find and play the easiest way. Let's don't follow the path of someone else. Let's go where someone else has never gone and let's blaze a trail for our sons and daughters to come along behind us. Let's be willing to give more than just status quo. The title of my message today is this, I dare you, I dare you to do hard things. I dare you to do hard 
things. Today, I want us to look at the Bible. I want us to look at three different people from the Bible, three well-known people, three people that did extraordinary things, and three people that were world changers. These three people that we're going to talk about today, they simply didn't choose the easiest path in life. These people dared to do hard things. And my prayer is that through this study of these three people, you and I can have our eyes open, our heart open, our mind opened up to go, you know what? There is some greater things out there, but I'm going to have to be willing to do some hard things. Question that you got to ponder and you got to think about, are you willing to do hard things? Are you and I willing to do more than what we have been doing? Are we willing to do harder things for the kingdom of God? The first guy we'll talk about is Moses. If you've ever been to church at all, surely you've heard of Moses. Moses was a Hebrew born into an Egyptian-ruled world. He was a minority. He did not have the greatest of odds in his favor to be a world changer. He was born in an Egyptian world. And the Pharaoh, the ruler of the Egyptians, he was a vicious man and he did not like the Hebrews. And so he said, I want every child that's born to the Hebrew nation murdered when they're a baby. Moses was a Hebrew. He was born. He was destined to die and to be murdered. But his mother decided, no, I'm going to take a chance. And she put him in a basket and she floated her three-day-old son down the river. She took a chance. She did a hard thing in letting her son go. But knowing that if she did what was easy, her son would be murdered, she sent him down the river in a basket. Oh, fate would absolutely have it this way. That Pharaoh, the leader of the Egyptian nation, his daughter had come down to the river to take a bath one day and she heard a baby crying and she looked up and baby Moses was floating down the river. I said fake, but I was just BSing you a little bit. It was the divine hand of God that had Pharaoh's daughter taking a bath at the same time that Moses would be floating down the river. She heard the baby cry. She gathered the baby up and now this child who was a, min a minority, this child who was given up for adoption, if you will, this child who had faced a tough time, next thing you know he is being raised in the king's palace by Pharaoh and Pharaoh's daughter. Later in life, so he's raised with the finest of things. Later in life, Moses has a problem. One of Moses' problems is this, anger. Anybody know what it's like to deal with anger? When you're angry, when your temper rises up, Moses had an anger problem. And later in his life, his anger caused him to sin. Exodus 2.12, after looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed an Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. This Egyptian was mistreating some Hebrew people. Moses' his own people. And Moses got angry and Moses took it into his hands and Moses murdered this guy. His anger caused him to sin. And at that moment, he got scared for his life. At that moment, he fled and he ran to the backside of the desert, hiding from his problems, hiding from his mistakes, hiding. It was the easiest thing for him to do to run from his problems. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
He goes to the backside of the desert. Now he is working for his father-in-law, tending to sheep on the backside of the desert. He was content with just hiding and working and not making a difference the rest of his life. But I want to tell you something. God wasn't through with Moses. And can I tell you something today? God is not through with you either. You may have sinned. You may have made some mistakes. You may have chosen the easy path. You may be hiding from some problems, but I just come to tell you on this Sunday morning, God is not through with you yet. Watch what happens. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. One day, Moses was tending to the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness, and he came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed with flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see. Here's what I want you to see. God appeared to Moses. Moses was hiding. Moses was running. Moses was choosing the easy path in life. And God appeared to him. And God said to him, Moses, I want you to go back to where you came from. I want you to go back and face your fears. I want you to go back and face your peers. I want you to go back and face Pharaoh. I want you to go back and I want you to lead my people out of slavery from the Egyptians. Here's Moses. Moses is scared. Moses is also a tongue-tied individual. Don't you know it had to be a hard thing for him to go back to where he came from? Don't you know it had to be a hard thing for him to go back to the Pharaoh knowing how uneducated Moses was, knowing the problems that he had? Going back, it had to be so hard to do. But Moses trusted the voice of God, and Moses dared to do a hard thing. He dared to leave easy and go back and do hard. Because Moses did that, look at what the writer of Hebrews says about him. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. Moses was chosen to reveal the work of what the truth that God would do later. You know what that is? That's Jesus. Moses was chosen to illustrate the work that Christ would do under the new covenant. Moses chose to do hard things. And he became a world changer and he became a well-known man in the Bible because of that. Next, let's talk about King David. King David. David is a young warrior boy. He is chosen to be the next king. But right now, there's a king named Saul. Saul is this great king. Saul has been the king, and David, David honors Saul. How many of you know there's power in honoring people around you? There's power in honoring your elders. There is power in honoring your leaders. There is power in honoring your, your boss. There's power in honor. And we don't understand honor in the culture we live in today. David took it seriously to say, 
Saul is chosen by God, and I'm going to honor him no matter what. Saul was the king. He brings young David along beside him. They're fighting many battles. They're fighting many struggles. And David served God, and he served Saul with his whole heart. David is winning battles. David is killing giants. David is doing great and mighty things. But Saul becomes jealous of David. I talked a little bit about anger, and if you don't learn, and I don't learn to control our anger, our anger will bite us in the butt and cause us to fall. Can I hear a good amen? Here's another one. King, this chosen by God, anointed king, gets jealous of a young man named David. Can I tell you? Jealousy will eat you up from the inside out. Jealousy is a dangerous and controlling attitude and a controlling sin that will come on you. David is just serving God. David is just doing what Saul asked him to do. And here's what happened. Saul, 1 Samuel 18. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, and he began to rave in his house like a madman. David was playing the harp as he did each day, but Saul had a spear in his hand. David is serving Saul, playing a harp, singing songs to him. And, and, and all of a sudden, and suddenly, he hurled a spear at David. David has served him honestly. David has served him sincerely. David is singing worship songs to him, and he is intending to pin him to the wall, but David escaped him twice. Two times the king tries to kill David. Boy, hit me once, shame on you. Hit me twice. <laughs> I'm fitting to come unglued on your butt. Come on, somebody. You know what I mean? Are we not that way? I'll take it once or twice, but I don't care who you are. I don't care what your position is. You better not mistreat me or I am fixing to go cockering on you, cockering crazy on you. But David said, no, 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 no. Saul tried to kill him out of jealousy. Let me tell you, I don't have time to read you this scripture, but you know what else Saul did? Saul sent David into some battles that were really unwinnable battles, battles that there was no way David could win. He was trying to get David killed out of jealousy. But you know what? David never faltered, and he, he, he served Saul faithfully, and God was with him. Look, there's power in honor and power in serving, even when you're facing unwinnable battles. 1 Samuel 18, 14, David continued to succeed in everything he did, for the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. David had several chances to kill Saul. He had several chances to kill him, but David chose to honor him and honor the position that God had placed him in. I want you to see David's mindset. How hard would this be not to just kill him when you have a chance? Watch this attitude. 1 Samuel 26, 10 and 11, David said, Surely the Lord will strike Saul down someday. Like, I am not, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. David said, I'm not going to kill him. I'm not, it's in the Lord's hands, or, or he will die of old age or in battle. The Lord forbid that I should kill the one he has anointed. But take his spear and that jug of water beside his head, and then let's get out of here. David trusted God's choice in choosing Saul. 
David trusted God's timing and that God's timing is perfect. And in God's timing, he will deal with the problem. David honored Saul when he did not deserve it. David honored Saul when Saul was trying to kill him. David honored Saul when it was not easy. How hard was that? How hard is that to do? David went on later to be one of the greatest kings of Israel simply because of this, because he dared to do hard things. He did a hard thing, honoring Saul. I wonder, let me ask you again, are you willing to do hard things? Am I willing to do hard things that we're facing right now in order to glorify and honor God? Let's talk about one more guy in the scripture. Talk about this guy, Connor mentioned him earlier, the Apostle Paul. How hard would it be to be beaten black and blue and arrested for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be bound in shackles and to be put in the dungeon of the prison? How hard would it be at the midnight hour to turn to your buddy Silas and say, hey, you know what, bud? This is the day that the Lord has made and break out into song, clapping and praising God. This morning, you didn't even worship God too good with this great band in here today. How hard would it be to choose to worship God in the middle of the darkest dungeon ever? David, I mean, Paul dared to do hard things. David, or Paul, he encounters Christ. Paul is the vilest of sinners. He's the wickedest of the wicked, and he encounters the risen Christ, and boom, his life is changed. He jumps up from encountering Christ, and he goes to work preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He immediately went on a mission to share He's going to Jerusalem. He's going to share at Jerusalem. I want us to see what the prophet said to him when the prophet found out he was going to Jerusalem. Acts 21, verse 10 through 13. Several days later, a man named Agabus, who also had the gift of prophecy, arrived from Judea. He came over and he took Paul's belt and he bound his own feet and hands with it. He tied himself up with Paul's belt. Then he said, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. This prophet said, Paul, if you're going to go over to Jerusalem, they're going to bind you up. They're going to beat you. They're going to throw you in prison. They're going to mistreat you when you get over there and they'll turn you over to the Gentiles. It doesn't look good over there. But watch what Paul does. And when we heard this, we and all the local believers, we begged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. How many times do we beg our kids not to do the hard things because we're worried something might go wrong? How many times have we allowed the enemy to talk us out of doing what we know we're supposed to be doing because it seemed to be too hard? Or we seen that we're going to have to suffer or we're going to have to sacrifice? Paul's friend said, don't go, man. The prophet said you got trouble coming. But Paul said, why are you bawling, you bunch of big old titty babies? Dry your eyes. 
You are breaking my heart watching you cry. I am ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, after all, God has done for me. God has brought me from a mighty long way. I used to persecute the church. I used to kill Christians, but God chose me and God saved me and God redeemed me and God delivered me and now he has anointed me and called me to be his mouthpiece. And if that caused me to have to go to jail or I'm willing to even die, I can't be quiet about what Jesus has done in my life. He was willing to do some hard things. He was willing to do some hard things. I want to just take a moment and I want you to see what Paul suffered from for sharing the gospel. First, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 28. Are they servants of Christ, Paul said? I, I, I know I sound like a man, mad, madman, but let me tell you something. I've served Christ far more. I've worked harder. I've done harder things. I've been put in prison more often. Been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the city. I've faced danger in the deserts and on the sea. I've faced danger from men who claim to believe, be believers but are not. I have worked hard hard and long endured many sleepless nights i've been hungry and thirsty and i have often gone without food i have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm then besides all that i have to deal with the daily burdens of them nuts that are going to the churches that i'm trying to pasture you see what paul went through this you see how many times he was persecuted how much he suffered let me tell you, Paul pressed on in the face of adversity. Paul pressed on in the face of suffering. He became one of the greatest leaders in the church. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He went on to plant over 20 churches. Paul was a world changer simply because he was willing to do hard things. He was willing to do different and take a different path than the path of least resistance. Conrad, y'all, come help me close, please. Because the closing question is this today. What are we missing out on? Because we're not willing to do hard things. What am I missing out on? Because I'm not willing to do more. What are you missing out on? I get it, man. Get it? But could God be asking us to do something hard? I mean, like, really, what, what are we doing hard for the Lord? You have to ask yourself here today, am I willing to do more? Am I willing to do hard things? Like, some of you, you know what the hardest thing you need to do is? You need to forgive yourself. How many of you deal with that? You, when you disappoint yourself and you make stupid decisions and you hurt other people, it's hard to forgive yourself sometimes. It's hard. 
But some of you need to stop walking around and stop living and acting like you're the person that you used to be. If so be that you are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, Christ has forgiven you. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Forgive yourself and move on. Sometimes it's hard to forgive others. You know what unforgiveness does to you and I, to good Christian people who love God? Unforgiveness is poison. It will eat us up from the inside out. It will dictate your thoughts. It will dictate your emotions. It will dictate your relationships. And we can push it down, and we can hide it, and we can make excuses all we want. But at some point, you have to be willing to do hard things and to forgive other people. Harboring unforgiveness is like eating rat bait and expecting it to kill the rat. <laughs> and we're so bottled up and angry at somebody else that we think if we can hold on to them and never forgive them that it will hurt them. It's not hurting them. It's hurting you. It's hard. Moses had to go back to his past and make some things right. Sometimes we need to go back and make some things right. Because we did them wrong and we handled them wrong and we didn't behave properly and we didn't act like Christians. We have to go back and make those things right so that we can move forward. I wonder if there's somebody in your life that you really just don't want to honor them right now. You're so mad and you're so ticked off and you're so angry and rightfully so. How hard is it to honor people when we don't feel that they deserve it? But it's the Lord's will. How hard is it to trust God's timing? Come on, Lord. I know that my, my timing's better than yours, Lord. I know what I need, and I know when I need it, and I need it right now. Hard. Hard things. I'm ready for y'all today. Are you, you know what I'm saying? How I mean, you know it's hard to ask for help sometimes. Arrogance and pride will overcome us, and we will not ask anybody for help. And I'm going to tell you, you cannot do and you cannot go and you cannot be all God is asking you to be if you go by yourself. You have to swallow that pride and ask for help. How many of you know it's hard to quit some things that we've been doing for a long time? Some of us have been doing something for a really long time and it's become a habit in our life and it's a bad habit and it's bringing us down and it's affecting us and everybody around us. How many know it's hard to quit things you've been doing for a long time? Hard! How many know sometimes it's hard not to quit, not to just give up? It's hard! It's hard to dig. It's hard to endure. It's hard to climb to the top. It's hard to worship sometimes. It's hard to speak positivity. It's hard to choose joy. It's hard. New things are hard. But I'm going to tell you something in closing right now. I want you to look, 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 look. I want you to listen to me next two minutes. Can I hear a good amen? You were created by God. And you were created for God's purposes. You are created in the image of God and you are created by the ultimate overcomer so that you can now be an overcomer in life.
Your father is an overcomer, and he passed down the genes and the DNA to help you and I overcome and do hard things in our life. I just want to remind you, I know it's an old scripture, but some of you need to hear it today. Romans 8, 37, no, in all these things, in all these things that we might be facing, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, him who loved us. You can overcome, and you can do some hard things. Stop being afraid. Stop being bound up to fear. Stop being afraid of suffering. Stop being afraid of struggles. Embrace struggles. Embrace fear. Embrace suffering as a part of the necessary process to overcoming and conquering everything that the enemy has set in front of you. You are an overcomer. One more scripture and I'm done, I promise. 1 Peter 5.10 After you have suffered a little while, Suffering's part of life, y'all. You're never going to find an easy life with no suffering. You do hard things, you're going to have to suffer. But the God of all grace, how many thank God for the grace of God? His grace is sufficient for us. Who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus? He will himself restore you. He will restore unto you everything the enemy has stolen. He will restore unto you joy. He will restore unto you what the canker worm has eaten. He will destroy what the drought has taken away from you. God will restore. He will confirm you. You are mine. He will strengthen you and he will establish you. I close with this statement. What is the Lord speaking to you today about doing hard things? Bow your heads if you will. Father, we just love you and we thank you for today and we thank you for all our many blessings. Thank you that you chose to do hard things so that we could be born again. Thank you that you chose hard things, God. You're God and you're sovereign and you could have just reached down and redeemed us out of the pit, but you said, no, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to give up my son. What a hard thing God had to do for you and I. And so I want to challenge you today. Are you doing hard things for the Lord? Or have you just chosen the easy path? Path of least resistance. You know, Cody, I come to church over here, and it's 35, 40 miles over here. I got to get my family up so early to get over here on Sundays, you know. You know, Wednesdays, I get that, I got that Bible app on my phone, and on Wednesdays, it throws up that scripture of the day, and I read that scripture, and I go on. You know, we all got it pretty easy, and the Lord's calling us to do some hard things, and if we do hard things... We'll receive blessings that we've never received before. So, Holy Spirit, move on our hearts. Holy Spirit, speak. Holy Spirit, convict. Holy Spirit, encourage. Speak to us the way you spoke to Moses. Speak to us the way you spoke to David. Speak to us the way you spoke to Paul. And let us live with that kind of courage, willing to do hard things. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all stand on your feet. Let's close with a song of worship.